Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 5 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets Corner, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. This segment is from Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, Book 1, Canto 12, Part 1, Episode 38, Podcast 4 is entitled Victory. In last week's episode, after fighting the dragon for three days, the Red Cross Knight slays the dragon and rises triumphantly. Canto 12 Fair Una to the Red Cross Knight betrothed is with joy, though false Duessa it to bar her false slights do employ. Overjoyed, Una tells the captain to steer his ship to land. Following the death of the dreadful dragon, It is now a safe harbor from offensive storms. After a long and weary journey, Una is now at her journey's end. She intends to remain in the safe harbor until merrier wind and weather calls her away. Behold, I see the haven nigh at hand to which I mean my weary course to bend. Veer the main sheet and bear up with the land, the which afore is fairly to be kenned and seemeth safe from storms that may offend. There this fair virgin, weary of her way, must landed be, now at her journey's end. There eke my feeble bark a while may stay, till merry wind and weather call her thence away. The sun had scarcely risen when the last deadly smoke of the fiery dragon had vanished, and the watchman on the castle wall had proclaimed that the fearful dragon was dead that he had witnessed his fatal fall. Scarcely had Phoebus in the glooming east yet harnessed his fiery-footed team, knee reared above the earth his flaming crest, when the last deadly smoke aloft did steam, that sign of last outbreathed life did seem unto the watchman on the castle wall, who thereby dread that baleful beast did deem and to his lord and lady loud gan call to tell how he had seen the dragon's fateful fall. The aged king sprang up and with feeble speed ran to the window to see if indeed what the watchman had said was true. After four years of imprisonment in the castle, he opened wide the brass gate to see for himself. He proclaimed joy throughout all his kingdom. Their foe who had plundered his kingdom was now indeed dead. Up rose hasty joy and feeble speed that aged sire, the lord of all the land, and looked forth to weet if true indeed those tidings were as he did understand. Which when as true by trial he found out, he bade to open wide the brazen gates, which long time had been shut, and out of hand proclaimed joy and peace, through all his state, for dead now was their foe which them forayed late. The trumpets began to sound from the parapet, their echo heard in heaven. 
they played the tune of happy victory against that dreadful beast who so long oppressed them and held them prisoner in the castle. Everyone in a solemn feast assembled. They rejoiced at the fall of the great dragon from whose eternal bondage they were now released. Here we understand the importance of this final battle. Again we turn to Revelation. Notice that there are two great battles. The first battle is just prior to the millennium, when the Savior comes to reign on earth for a thousand years. Revelation 20, 1-3 And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. The second is of the last great battle, in which Satan is forever cast into the fiery pit. And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for ever and ever. Spencer doesn't really distinguish between the two. He said, rejoicing at the fall of that great beast, from whose eternal bondage now they were released. Then gan triumphant trumpets sound on high that sent to heaven the echoed report of their new joy and happy victory against him that had them long oppressed with tort and fast imprisoned in sieged forts. Then all the people, as in solemn feast, to him assembled with one full consort, rejoicing at the fall of that great beast from whose eternal bondage now they were released. Spencer uses the Red Cross Knight as a symbol for all those who fight against the dragon. Before he could fight the dragon, he had to put on the whole armor of God, as defined by Paul in Ephesians 6. The Red Cross Knight represents holiness. The dragon was more powerful than the Red Cross Knight. But the dragon was not more powerful than the Red Cross Knight's faith in Jesus Christ. It is Christ who fights our battles. Just as the Red Cross Knight was about to succumb to the fiery flames of the dragon, he fell backwards into the well of living water where he was restored to health and given added strength. The second time the knight was nigh unto death, he fell near the tree of life. A stream came out of the ground that had healing powers. The ancient king and queen, dressed in vintage robes, emerged, surrounded by a huge entourage of noble souls carrying laurel branches, the happy sign of victory and peace. Forth came the ancient lord and aged queen, arrayed in antique robes down to the ground, and sad habiliments right well be seen. A noble crew about them waited round of sage and sobel Paris, all gravely ground, and far before did march a goodly band of tall young men and able arms to sound, 
But now they laurel branches bore in hand, glad sign of victory and peace in all their land. The king and queen approached the brave and persistent knight who conquered the dragon and set their kingdom free. We must remember that this epic battle is on a grand scale. For example, Michael, the archangel, led the battle against Satan in the war in heaven. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Christian tradition holds that Michael will lead the armies in the final battle. With Spencer, the Red Cross Knight becomes St. George, who slays the dragon. St. George is the symbol of Michael. That is recognized by Una's parents, the king and queen of the land of Eden. The story of the Red Cross Knight can be seen as the story of the great battle of Armageddon, just before Christ appears to usher in the millennium. Or it can be seen as the story of the final battle of Gog and Magog, prior to the end of the world. Unto that doughty conquer they came, and him before themselves prostrating low. The Lord and patron loud did him proclaim, and at his feet their laurel boughs did throw. Soon after them, all dancing on a row, the comely virgins came, with garlands dight, as fresh as flowers in meadow green do grow, when morning dew upon their leaves doth light, and in their hands sweet timbrels all upheld on height. They all celebrate the great event. And then before, the fry of children young their wanton sports and childish mirth did play, and to the maidens sounding timbrels sung in well-attended notes a joyous lay, and made delightful music all the way, until they came where that fair virgin stood. As fair Diana in fresh summer's day beholds her nymphs in ranged in shady wood, some wrestle, some do run, some bathe in crystal flood. They recognize Una as a goodly maiden queen, the king's daughter. So she beheld those maiden merriment with cheerful view, who when to her they came themselves to ground with gracious humblest bent, and her adored by honorable name, lifting to heaven her everlasting fame. Then on her head they set a garland green, and crowned her twixt earnest and twixt game, who in herself resemblance well be seen, did seem such as she was a goodly maiden queen. Please join us next week as we continue the epic victory of the Red Cross Knight. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.